Hello Patriots, Freedom Fighters throughout Saskatchewan, across the country and around the world. So we're streaming to my four Facebook platforms. Uh, we're not streaming to YouTube because YouTube has put me in YouTube jail uh, again. Um, but we're on two Twitter accounts and DLive and Rumble. Uh, hello, Dave Brown. Hello, Brenda. Hello, Marlene, Cheryl, Darlene. Good to see you all. Do me a favor, share it out, because we're still horribly shadow banned on Facebook, the ridiculous platform that it is. Uh, hey, Rob. Good to see you. Hey, Lois. So, um, yeah. We have to talk about a few things, not only to do with Saskatchewan, but also federally. It's been a while since I was live. I uh, talked a little bit about Pierre Polivare shenanigans. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Thank you, Darlene. Yeah, so um, the first order of business, <clears throat> I did a video a couple of days ago, basically giving everybody my opinion on carbon capture and the hoax that it is. So I've had my dander up about carbon capture at least in this province, because we we spent $3 billion in that ballpark um, creating carbon capture facility down at the mine close to Estevan. Um, I didn't realize this. I just had a discussion with some of the people with the Buffalo Party, Phil, uh, the leader, uh, Zajac, as well. And I didn't realize this. So I may have to do another video. Um, there is a revenue stream attached to carbon capture that I was unaware of. And my concern with the whole narrative around this carbon capture is that what are we doing capturing carbon co2 in the form of co2 um, when it's not a poison when we need more of it in the atmosphere um, and of course i thought that was really the only reason as it turns out i was wrong uh, there's a number of of byproducts that come from this technology not only are there companies that are now buying co2 and using it for whatever industries they use it for um, it's used in fracking i guess <coughs> so there's people that want to buy it and that's a good thing if we're if we're generating revenue uh, through that technology i'm on board the other byproduct, the other benefit to this is it's not just removing CO2 from an emission, 
but a number of other pollutants like sulfur and and I know there's they're making acid I think from from some of the byproducts so there's a number of other actual pollutants that are grabbed through this technology and that's also a good thing uh, this idea that CO2 is a poison and a pollutant is hogwash but if we're mitigating uh, the level of pollution, actual pollution that we're putting into the atmosphere through this technology, and there's a revenue stream for it, we can break even through the investment, and we can teach other places how to do it. Um, I don't see a whole lot of wrong with it. Um, so I'm I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that, that uh, some people reached out and called me on it because it's important to call people like me who have a big mouth on, on things because um, that's important. We have, to, we have to address these things. And if, if I fell short, not knowing all of the ins and outs, uh, then I need them to be pointed out to me. And people did. So that's good. And that's how we learn. And, uh, and so that's, that's a good thing. So again, carbon capture as a revenue stream, um, as a technology to remove other pollutants out of the atmosphere, uh, that's, that's good. Uh, so I stand corrected. And, and at the end of the day, Jay Rydell made a point uh, on, on my, in my comment area um, that just because the Buffalo Party is on board um, for this revenue stream that's created and and removing other pollutants doesn't mean that we're going to be the, the government of the day for the next 30 years. There's other governments that come in and, uh, and maybe a little bit harder on CO2 and have bought more fully into this idea that CO2 is a pollutant. And... Uh, and ultimately, the goal is to keep people employed, to, to keep their jobs, to keep their ability to prosper. And, uh, and if that's what it does, then that's also a good thing. So it is what it is. Anyways, yes, the complete climate scam is nonsense. I'm not apologizing for that at all. Um, I'm just, I did a video on, on the carbon capture and, and calling it a hoax. And... Uh, it's been pointed out to me that there's a lot of benefits to that technology. So uh, that's it. I'm not in any way supporting the insanity that CO2 is a pollutant uh, by any stretch of the imagination, because it isn't. It's plant food. So, um, so that's that. Anyways, um, last night, uh, by the way, I'm going to say it again, share this out. I got to bust through this this uh, shadow banning that's happening to me on Facebook. Um, so yeah, definitely help me help me bust through that. Share it out. Um, but yes, I went to the Sask United launch last night at Prairie Land, and a couple of things I'm going to say before I get critical. And I'm going to get critical um, because I saw it as a missed opportunity. 
But the first things I need to say is, um, I have a lot of respect for Nadine Wilson as leader of the Sask United Party. Uh, she's done a lot of good. She's she's she acts like opposition to the Sask Party, and that's a good thing. We need to have that. That's part of you know having a healthy democracy. Is you have to have opposition, and she's been playing that role albeit by herself, at the legislature in Saskatchewan. Uh, so I, I do have a lot of respect for Nadine. Um, and I have a lot of respect for the people that are involved with that party. Uh, I spoke to a number of the people that are in leadership roles in that party last night. And I believe it was fruitful and, and, and good discussions and, and healthy discussions. And so I respect a lot of the people that are involved. But here's my, here's my criticism of the event last night. And, and I wasn't the only one mentioning this. I had a lot of people coming to me after the speeches were over um, telling me the same thing. And again, asking me for my, for my, asking me for my opinion on how it went. And if it was, if my opinion was generally shared by, by others, and it was, and so, I production-wise, um, very well done. Uh, it was, the, you know, some of the videos they used, the technology they used, uh, was good, and it was well done. It was well presented. Um, you could tell they did a lot of work on it. So on that end of things, and you could tell that obviously there's some money involved in that party as well. Um, obviously to put on a production like they did takes some money. Um, and so that's, that's a positive. So, but when I look at, at the meat and potatoes, right, of, of what was said, um, in through these speeches, I begin to get a little concerned. And of course, you know, I sit here as a Buffalo Party member and and potential candidate, uh, and and been pretty heavily involved in in the Buffalo Party. Um, so my opinion might come across as biased. That's okay. I'm still going to give you my opinion. Um, and it is relatively unbiased, but it might be perceived as biased. But here's the problem with, with some of the messaging that I heard last night at the event. Um, you have a room full of people that are frustrated and angry because they're not being represented in this province. And that's why they came to this event, because they want their issues represented. They want their thoughts, their issues, their problems represented by somebody. That's why they showed up, and, and, and in good numbers last night. And that's another positive through all of this experience, is how many people showed up last night. They say thousand. I don't think it was quite a thousand. I think it was 
somewhere between 750 and a thousand uh it wasn't sold out by any stretch um but it was a good showing and it indicates that there's a lot of people in the province that are ready for change and that's fantastic and i'm hoping that i can play a role in helping affect that change but when you have a room full of people like they did last night who are obviously very in tune with what's causing all of the issues that they mentioned in their speeches. And most people understand that it's the root cause of all of this is Agenda 2030 and the World Economic Forum. And through all of the speeches last night, neither of those two entities or the agenda in and of itself was mentioned specifically. And to me, that's a concern. That was a concern with a lot of people that upon the end of the speeches, as people were leaving, they would come and talk to me and identify that as a concern, that it was somewhat uninspiring, somewhat... Um, just grabbed my card. Silver. Um, sorry, lost my train of thought. Um, hang on a sec. Hang on just one sec. Uh, use the gold one. Um, where was I? Uh, so, um, as people were exiting, they're, they're identifying this as an issue. So if you're not, if you're not, if you want to solve the problem, um, and all of these issues that we have in Saskatchewan are relative to this agenda. And this is why it's so frustrating when Scott Moe speaks, he never mentions Agenda 2030 because he's on board. And this was frustrating for a lot of people last night because nobody in their speech acknowledged or recognized Agenda 2030, the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, and their impact on our province, on our freedoms, on our liberty, on our sovereignty. They did talk a lot about sovereignty, and I'll give them that, and that's a good thing. And autonomy. And so they're, you know, a lot of their messaging is heading in the right direction, but you have to talk about the problem. You have to talk about the root cause of all of the issues that we here in Saskatchewan are experiencing. And that's all relative to Agenda 2030. It's 100% relative to the SDGs and to the World Economic Forum. And so when nobody in their speech mentions that, that becomes a concern. And, and, and it leaves me wondering why. So I'm left to hypothesize why. And, and it can only be uh, hypothesizing because I don't know. But my theory is that they're very similar to other 
parties, like the SAS party, who carries water for the federal conservatives. Um, and then this party, you have Jerry Ritz. And I'd like to ask him this question. I'd like to have the discussion with him. Um, but you have Jerry Ritz, who was part of the federal conservative party, who made sustainable development law in this country in 2008 and who signed and committed us to this agenda again in the fall of 2015, Agenda 2030. So are we not talking about it because we're creating cover for Jerry Ritz as a member of the federal conservatives when they did these things? I don't know. I don't know. I can only theorize. Um, but that's a problem. And so, and this is one of the reasons why I went to the Buffalo Party rather than Sask United. Um, because I got the sense that leadership within that party wasn't prepared to tell the, the whole truth. And last night was an Great example when you have a room full of people who are dying to hear the truth. They're thirsty, starving for the truth. They want people to stand in front of them and tell them Agenda 2030 is the root cause to all of our issues in this country and in this province. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear the truth. And there were some people last night that were frustrated that they didn't hear the truth. That nobody had the courage to stand there and identify the root cause of all the problems uh, in this province, in this country. So that's why I chose the Buffalo Party because when I first started speaking to people within the Buffalo Party, I made it very clear that I'm going to talk about Agenda 2030. I'm going to talk about the SDGs. I'm going to talk about the World Economic Forum and all of its implications and consequences to our province, to our country. And they accepted that wholeheartedly. And every event that I've been to that's associated with the Buffalo Party, I've spoken about this agenda. Because we have to. We 100% have to. I spoke to a couple that immigrated here from South Africa. They came here from South Africa because they were forced to. They were forced off their land as farmers in South Africa. And they fled, literally fled to this country because we were free at the time. And they see exactly what happened there happening here. Of course they would, because it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It's the same agenda that forced those people out of their traditional land to flee to a free nation. And now they're seeing the same things happening in this country. And they're very concerned. And they're very scared. And I don't blame them. 
And they want people to tell them the truth. They want people to represent them and what they see and what they observe. And so, um, that's my critique. That's what I experienced last night at the Sask United launch, that nobody had the courage in a room full of people who want to hear the truth to tell the whole truth. And that's a concern to me. And it's not like they don't know about it. I talked to a few people uh, that are heavily involved in that party last night, and they told me that they understand this. Well, if they understand it, then why aren't they talking about it? And this is, this is the problem. We need people. We are at such a perilous moment in our, in our country's history, in our province's history. The attacks are coming from all sides. We need people to represent our interests who aren't afraid to tell the people the truth, regardless of what the media is going to say. I don't care what the media is going to say. I don't care if the media calls me a conspiracy theorist when I'm talking about Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, because they're real. They're real as rain. And one of the issues stemming from this, because it's as real as it gets and consequential as it gets, since 1992, since this agenda was first agreed to, by our country, by Brian Mulroney, the Conservative Prime Minister, he didn't come home and task all of his MPs throughout Canada to go back to their constituents, tell them about the agenda, tell them about what some of the drawbacks and some of the consequences are to this agenda, They didn't, they didn't even at a basic surface level go back and tell their constituents in all of the writings throughout this country what, that they actually signed on and committed to this agenda. It's never happened. And why is that? Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because if they did... If they held a town hall meeting and said, here's this, this wonderful communist agenda that's going to put global governance in the hands of a foreign entity, unelected, unaccountable, who doesn't have the interest of Canada or Saskatchewan or Alberta or any other province at heart, they're creating cookie-cutter policy that we've now committed to. How do you like it so far? If they would have done that, if they would have been honest with the people, 
and told them what they committed to and how it, consequential it's going to be to all the values we cherish in this country, the people would have rejected it out of hand. They would have probably told the person trying to sell this to them to resign immediately. It's that bad. But they didn't do that. Of course they didn't do that. That's why they didn't do that. In fact, what they did is the opposite. And this goes for all levels of government. Federal, provincial, municipal. Why has no elected a party official elected ever told you about Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030? Ever. In fact, they did the opposite. They told you it was a conspiracy theory. Knowing full well they signed on to this conspiracy theory. Knowing full well the consequences of this agenda. And not once, federally, municipally, provincially, has anyone ever, an, an MP, Member of Parliament, an MLA, a member of the Legislative Assembly, or a city councillor, ever brought this to the people and say, here, this is what we've committed to. How do you like it so far? We're agreeing to cookie-cutter policy developed by an unaccountable, unelected foreign entity that doesn't have our best interests at heart. How do you like it so far? It's never happened. In the history of this agenda since 1992, it's never happened. Framed as a conspiracy theory. And people like myself, who tried to raise the alarm bells 20 years ago, labeled conspiracy theorists because we wanted to talk about it. And nobody would listen because nobody knew it existed. And why didn't they know it existed? It existed because nobody told them by design. And here we are. In June of 2019, the UN and the World Economic Forum formally partnered to move this agenda <coughs> along so they could meet the goals of this agenda <clears throat> by 2030. They've always been partnered. But they really put the coals, the coal on the fire as of June 2019, six months before COVID. So when politicians, when a new party, and this is the other thing, why did we need another party, another alternative to the Buffalo Party? The Buffalo Party is established. The Buffalo Party has member-driven policy, not top-down, as the Sask United Party is doing. They're, they're just developing policy within their small group of leadership and telling the members, this is what our policy is going to be. <laughs> That's not how this is supposed to work. Grassroots is supposed to be member-driven. The members are supposed to come up with the policy. This is what I love about the Buffalo Party. 
And this is what I love about the people of Saskatchewan. Because you folks get it. I took a look at the Buffalo Party policies, and I encourage everybody who's watching this to do the same. And have a look at how smart the members of the Buffalo Party really are in creating the policies that they created through a convention. This is, this is what separates grassroots from top-down dictators that will tell you what they think is the best for you, rather than a party listening to the people tell the party what's the best thing for them. This is how it's supposed to work. That's why I went to the Buffalo Party, because it's members-driven, and the members are brilliant. The people of Saskatchewan get it. You can, you can see it in, in the policies that they put forward and voted on and passed. That's the beauty of grassroots. It's the people. The people have to determine the policies of a party, not the party member elite, not the party leadership dictating to the members what the policy is going to be. It's not how it's supposed to work. And the people of Saskatchewan that are involved with the Buffalo Party are switched on 100%. Go look at the policies that they, that they, they themselves created. It's phenomenal. Truly, truly is. And this gives me enormous hope that the people of Saskatchewan will demand the most out of who they elect. Especially, especially rural Saskatchewan. And, and this is the thing. Rural Saskatchewan Saskatchewan in and of itself is different than every other province in this country. Saskatchewan is still over 50%, well over 50% rural to urban. And I'll, I can tell you, it's not going to be the urbanites that pull us out of this shitstorm. This globalist agenda. It's going to be the people of Saskatchewan that lead this country out of the mess we're in. Because they're going after rural folks' way of life. Self-reliance, self-determination, independence, and community. That, those are the values of rural Saskatchewan. They want to be left alone. They'll figure out their situation. They want to be given the autonomy and independence to do that. And we need to give them the alternative, the viable, legitimate alternative to what they have right now in the Sask Party. And they'll figure it out. So, um, that's my critique of the event last night. And again, I have a ton of respect 
for people associated with that party. The other thing that we have to talk about is coming together. I proposed a number of months ago to Sask United leadership that we come together, we sit in a room, we write down all of the things that we agree with, all of the issues that we're on board with, and then, which would be the vast majority, I would suspect, and then let's have a look at the, the issues that we don't, maybe we don't agree with. Let's put it all on the table and let's figure this out. How we're going to give the people of Saskatchewan the best alternative to the establishment. And it's not by creating two entities. I can tell you that that's... that's I don't think that's the best route to take. I think that's divisive. I think it hurts the chances of an alternative getting into the legislature. Because if we're both <coughs> fighting each other for votes, um, we'll end up handing it back to the SAS party. And we don't want that. The people of Saskatchewan, from what I can tell, are ready for change. We have to provide them that opportunity. So my suggestion to the leadership of the Buffalo Party, to the leadership of the Sask United, let's have a meeting. Let's come together. True North, the entity that is True North, you should be part of that as well. We should be able to come together and list all of the issues that we have in common, which I would suggest would be the vast majority. And there might be a few um, things that we can identify that are, are maybe different, but that's okay. And I think we need to do that. And we need to figure out how we can be one entity instead of two. As a people divided, um, we lose. So, yes, of the people and for the people, 100%. And, and so let's, I propose that we do that. I propose that we sit down and we have that meeting. Leadership from both entities, including True North. I want them involved as well because they're an important part to this. And Joseph Borgo. Um, I would like Joseph involved as well. Uh, Joseph, if you're watching, I'd like, like to see that happen. Um, so that's, that's my suggestion. That's what I would like to see happen. And I think we have an opportunity. And, and just imagine for a second, in Saskatchewan, just imagine those two entities, the two that have been created as alternatives to the establishment, globalists, these two entities come together 
and then call a leadership race? Just imagine, just imagine what that would turn into. Those two entities coming together and we call a leadership race and we get some people involved, maybe even myself, uh, that would blow up. It would blow up in this province. Are you kidding? This province is, is ready for change. And you bring those two together and boom. Then you provide something that actually deals with the root cause of all our issues, of all our problems. And we give the people of Saskatchewan a vehicle, an opportunity to take part in something incredibly special where we can lead this country out of the mess that globalism is. What an opportunity. Why would we mess that up? Why would we pass that up? Why wouldn't we take advantage of that situation? I'm, I don't know. I, I, what I do know is I'm very excited because the people of Saskatchewan are ready for change. And they understand that there is a globalist attack on everything they cherish. Freedom, liberty, sovereignty, justice, equality under the law, rule of law, prosperity, and truth. They understand it's all under attack. And they're demanding change. Let's give it to them. Let's give them that. That's my call. That's my suggestion. Let's come together and blow the doors off the electoral landscape of this province. And let's take it back. Yeah, let's do that. Anyway, so that's it. That's all I have to say about provincial politics. Um, there, <laughs> there is this little thing about federal politics. And I, I honestly, I can't imagine, and we're going to segue into this Pierre Polivar shit-talking Christine Anderson. I can't imagine. I just, I can't imagine how that would ever be seen as a good idea. <laughs> it, it's just, it's phenomenal to me that, and this is, what, what this is and what we're seeing through all of this is the divide in that party that's always existed since the creation of the Conservative Party of Canada as it's in its form now. When the Reform Party was gaining traction in this country, 
they sold out their values and their principles by merging with red Tories. That's who's running the Conservative Party of Canada. Because they're in the majority of that party. Reds are in the majority of the Conservative Party of Canada. I know some of you don't like to hear that, but it's a fact and it's the truth. That's why you hear Pierre Polivare shit talk Christine Anderson. That's why. Because they're run by Reds. The party is chock full of Reds. Liberals. That's why they don't have an identity. That's why they never stand for your values. They never defend what's right. Because they're always pushed and pulled in that party. They don't have a core identity. Because there's more reds than there are blues. That's just reality of the Conservative Party. That party should be flushed. As far as I'm concerned, that party should be finished. As it was after Mulroney destroyed it. They had two seats. That's it. And then what happened? All of the Reds got together, proposed this merger with the Reform Party to get power. And they got it. A couple of minorities and then a majority. And then lost it. And now, who are they? They will never be who you need them to be. That's the reason they signed us on to this agenda. That's the reason why they don't even talk about the agenda. They don't even acknowledge it or recognize it. Even though they signed on to it twice, 92-2015, made it law in this country in 2008. But they will not acknowledge or recognize it. And provincial parties like the Sask Party, like the UCP in Alberta, they just carry water for the CPC. They don't talk about it either. Because as soon as you talk about it, the Conservative Party is identified as responsible for it. They're the ones who made it law in this country, which makes it binding. It's now etched in law in this country that we have to meet the sustainable development goals, all 17 of them, even though it's communist in nature, developed by an unelected, unaccountable foreign entity that doesn't have our best interests remotely at heart. But we've made it, the conservatives made it law in this country. which compels us to report our progress in achieving the goals of sustainable development to the UN, that unelected, unaccountable foreign entity, World Economic Forum. World Economic Forum is a support mechanism for that agenda. World Economic Forum has infiltrated our cabinet. More than half of Trudeau's cabinet is World Economic Forum 
global leaders, young global leaders. There's a bunch of conservatives that are young global leaders. The day that we figure it out, that the two establishment parties federally are responsible for the demise of everything we cherish in this country, the sooner everybody figures that out and understands it is when we can fix it. But we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. We have to force these people to acknowledge its existence. That's our job. We have to do this. We've checked out of politics for decades. We've abdicated our responsibility to people we thought had our best interest at heart, and they don't. Turns out. They care more about their salaries, they care more about their pensions, than they do about the sovereignty of our nation. And let me tell you folks, without sovereignty, we have nothing. Somebody posted here earlier that we need to to change into a constitutional republic, and I agree 100%. We need to break free from the monarchy, from the crown. We need to become our own independent nation. And we're going to work towards that. And the provinces can play a leading role in that. And Saskatchewan will play a leading role in that. In fact, Salim Mansour is working on a declaration, working on some language where I can put forward that language at the Buffalo Party AGM April 1st and 2nd and have the membership vote on that as a mechanism to move the dial closer to a constitutional republic. And we're going to need other provinces, obviously. But I'm going to put that forward at our AGM April 1st and 2nd. And uh, I look forward to that very much so. So they are who they are. And the sooner we can identify that, the sooner the masses understand that, that we're led by globalists, and that never equates to anything good, um, that's up to us. We need to do that. And I'm doing whatever I can to ensure that happens. As many people as absolutely possible understand that. By the way, having said that, um, this coming Saturday in Calgary at South Victory Church, um, I'll be doing it again. Myself, Mark Morano, Professor Salim Mansour, Archer Palowski, and Rayanne uh, Spotted Bull. Uh, she's going to talk about UNDRIP. Um, we're all taking the stage to spread the message. So if you're in the area, if you're in Calgary... Um, make sure you get tickets and attend that event. Uh, guaranteed you'll walk in a whole lot or you'll leave a whole lot smarter than when you walked in. Uh, we're going to talk about everything that needs to be talked about. And, uh, Mark Moreno is really great. Mark Moreno has been on Tucker Carlson numerous times. Um, Climate Depot is the organization he's associated with. 
That's his organization in the States. And uh, he's very good. So hope to see you all there. Um, there's one other thing I need to talk about and we need to talk about. <laughs> it's this this guy. This is this is phenomenal. Um, I just I, <laughs> I want you guys to, to listen to this to this individual. His name is Anthony Housefather. And he was in committee. And he's going to justify why they can't hold any of these drug dealers like Pfizer and Moderna accountable or responsible for killing many of our citizens. So I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear this. These agreements require employees of the government of Canada that access these documents to sign confidentiality agreements. And why is that? Why is there much more redactions, as my colleague said, in these documents than in other documents? It's because these documents were signed at the beginning of a pandemic, when everybody was desperate for vaccines, when companies were being told to rush vaccine production, do testing in an unprecedented way, in a way they normally don't do it. So these companies were exposed to way higher liability, putting their products on. Yeah, thank you for that, Sharon. <laughs> so, just imagine, a couple of years ago, we had a Prime Minister stand up and tell us all, we can't get on a plane, we can't get on a train, we can't get on a boat, because we're not jabbed. And many of us refused to get the jab, because it was an experiment. because we weren't comfortable that they didn't do any testing other than some ferrets that all died. Well, you guys can hear me now, can't you? Tell me you can hear me, somebody. Hello? Thanks, Priscilla. All right. So we chose not to accept this experiment for all the reasons that this guy is identifying. Because they didn't do any testing. Because they rushed this mRNA experiment without any testing. It's no wonder we didn't. But the level of coercion, extortion, and bribery that took place to force people to take this stuff, to keep their jobs, to keep food on the table, 
A lot of those people are very injured right now. A lot of those people are dead. And he's essentially admitting it. It's on the market than they normally would because they didn't do the type of testing that normally takes these drugs years to come to market. They did it all in less than a year. So that's why these companies said, if I'm going to deliver you this product that I haven't tested in my normal way, I, I want to have different conditions. And with companies, all countries around the world competing with each other to get these, the countries had less leverage than they normally do. For example, if we were entering into flu vaccine contracts or monkeypox contracts or other things that were normally available, this would be a different issue. But these are already signed. They were signed at a time the government didn't have that leverage in negotiations. We just wanted to sign as many vaccine contracts with as many producers as possible because Canadians were desperate for vaccines. And in the end, it worked out. We got vaccines. God, I did it again. <laughs> I can't tell you. I'll start. I'll start over. I can't tell you. TikTok, you're going to hear this again. I can't tell you how much this frustrates me, this guy. Blaming Canadians for their desperation. He just said it. He blamed it on Canadians. Because Canadians were desperate. He made, him and his government made Canadians desperate, along with the media. The coercion, the bribery, the extortion. They made the people desperate for an experiment that they shoved into their, into their bodies.
Scott Moe threatening the people of Saskatchewan that refused to get this experiment injected into them. Telling everybody how impatient he's getting with these people. Creating this discrimination against these people. And that they're losing patience with these people. All of us treated as second-class citizens, treated as garbage. Because we didn't go along. I can't tell you how much I love each and every one of you in this province that said no. Through all of the pressure. Through all of that. And congratulations, Saskatchewan. You're the province that took the least amount of this experiment. Congratulations. I can't tell you how much I love your strength and your conviction to not bending by getting this stuck inside you. An experiment they knew nothing about. This guy just admitted it. And we were one of the countries that got to vaccinate everybody the fastest. Yeah, we're one of the countries that got the most people jabbed the fastest. And guess what? A lot of those people are very seriously injured. A lot of those people are dead. Because the government manipulated the masses to take this experiment. And they need to be held accountable. And this guy, this clown, just admitted it. They didn't do the testing that normally would take years. And then he blamed Canadians. He blamed Canadians because Canadians needed it so bad. They're desperate for it. You created that desperation through your propaganda and your fear-mongering. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Yes, they need to be jailed. They need to be put in prison. I'd say worse. But <laughs> knowing it wasn't proven safe. Exactly. It was not safe and effective. We know that. Everybody who took these jabs were guinea pigs. They were the experiment. We were the control group. There's nothing that makes me angrier than this asshole. They just admitted it. It's, it's astonishing to me that he'll sit there in his own arrogance and put it on the Canadian people because they they were desperate for it <laughs> through government propaganda 
This is why. <coughs> this is why it's always necessary. We said this during this whole thing. There needs to be open and honest debate. There never was. We weren't allowed. None of our social media platforms allowed us to have the debate, to put forward our evidence, to put forward the doctors that were on our side that understood this. None of us were allowed. We couldn't do it, even on Twitter. Now you can on Twitter. This is why we have rights that we need to defend. Freedom isn't given. Freedom is defended and fought for. You don't receive it like a gift because there's always somebody there's always an entity that wants to take it from you. And congratulations to each and every one of you that stood shoulder to shoulder with me and so many others opposing all of this and rejecting an experiment. Congratulations to all of you. You're all amazing people. More is coming. And we have to do it more and we have to fight more and we have to defend freedom more. And, and I don't care if it kills me. I don't care. Because without it, without freedom, we're done. We're finished. It's over. And there's enough of us there's enough of us across this country that love and cherish freedom and liberty and sovereignty and justice and equality under the law and the rule of law and prosperity and truth. There's enough of us. We're doing it. Even though I know it's as frustrating, I get it. And how many people are still asleep and refuse to acknowledge what's happening. But there's enough of us across this country that are willing to fight and defend the values that we cherish. We will win. There's going to be some pain along the way. No question. But we will win. They won't win. It's impossible for them to win. They can't achieve what they want to achieve if we're standing in their way. That's our job. That's what we have to do. So... Uh, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to mention tonight. Maybe there is. Let me just go to my Twitter. Maybe there's something there that'll 
trigger. Oh yeah, I want to play this one for you too. This is a good one. So, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, it's it's pretty good. This Roger Waters is, uh, is pretty awake. Alright, let's uh, pull this up for you. and Anthony Blinken and Victoria Newland and Jake Sullivan and the rest of the warmongering neocons at the heart of government here in Washington, along with the vassal states in NATO, are the principal provocateurs that I mentioned. I'm not apologizing for Mr. Putin, you understand, but just a glance fleetingly back at the history of the last 30 years or so, you could have done better. You could have followed President Gorbachev's lead in 1989. You could have kept Secretary of State Baker's promise not to advance NATO one yard. So this is really important when it comes to this war that they've taken us into <clears throat> people really truly need to understand what Roger is saying there was an agreement made in 1992 where NATO said they wouldn't move one inch closer to Russia and that agreement was broken 14 times Ukraine being the 15th and that was the line in the sand that was the red line that Putin said, if you cross that red line, then all bets are off. This was all avoidable. 2014 Maidan protests was a coup d'etat to depose a democratically elected president in favor of a globalist shill. And then eventually Zelensky got, got put in that position, who has since banned all the opposition media, banned all media that isn't state-sponsored, banned all political parties, and somehow they're talking like it's democracy. <laughs> it's the furthest thing from. Anyways, I'll let Roger carry on. Closer to the Russian border than the eastern extremities of a reunited Germany. You could have responded to President Putin's overtures in his famous 10th of February 2007 speech at the security conference in Munich and shepherded us all towards a much, much safer Europe. Or in 2008, you could have chosen not to expand NATO eastwards or in 2014, you could have refrained from engineering the illegal maiden coup d'etat in Ukraine. Or in 2019, you could have supported the Minsk Accords. Now we're told by Angela Merkel, they were just a ruse to buy time to arm Ukraine for the war 
that you were engineering. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Anyways, there's a question here. Dina says, I'll ask you what I ask the Independence Party of Alberta. What happens if we gain sovereignty or independence from the federal government? How will we protect ourselves from the onslaught of the globalists? <coughs> they can wage weather, biological, technological warfare beyond our understanding. What would an independent political party do to address that? Yeah, so that's... I'm not a separatist. I'll be straight up with you. Um, there are people within the Buffalo Party, there are people within the Independence Party that are separatists. I can tell you that Archer Pulowski is not a full-on separatist. What I do recognize, though, and that's important as part of this equation, is we need leverage. If we're going to go to Ottawa and negotiate a fair deal, in, within confederation because I think we're stronger as a nation as a country the country we love as Canada we're stronger if we're together than if we're not if we're an entity the size of Alberta or an entity the size of Alberta and Saskatchewan we become very vulnerable to the globalists 100% I couldn't agree more but I also recognize and acknowledge that if we don't have the leverage of, say, 60% support for separation in our back pocket when we go to this negotiating table with Ottawa, I mean, picture this. We're there negotiating a fair deal. Negotiating maybe a change in the in the uh, formula for transfer payments. And as we're negotiating, um, we say, we got 60% in the province of Saskatchewan and in the province of Alberta and maybe in the province of Manitoba. We have 60% support for separation. That's an incredible amount of leverage that we can take to those negotiations of first ministers and the federal government. That's how we get what we need. That's how we get a fair deal in this confederation is with that leverage. And again, I'm not saying and I'm not promoting that we need to exercise that in the form of, of a, separate, a separation referendum. I'm saying that we need to have that support that in the event Ottawa says no and Ottawa doesn't negotiate in good faith and Ottawa doesn't represent all of us, then out of survival we say, okay, I guess we go it alone. I guess that's your decision. And the people of Canada will not be in favor of that. I can tell you that much. I think this is the best way to save our country. 
But if it comes down to survival, because Ottawa is not willing to play along, then we have no choice. Out of survival, we'd have to do it. And at that point, we have to batten down the hatches. Because between Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, we have a whole lot of food. We have a whole lot of resources that the world wants and needs. And as our own independent nation, that gives us an incredible amount of responsibility and power based on that. And we have to be prepared to defend it. And we have to be awake to the games that the globalists play, like they're playing with the Ukraine right now. Ukraine is incredibly important, strategically important, and and geographically important, resource important country, which is why the globalists went after it. Listen, Ukraine's the example. Ukraine, the Maidan protest in 2013 and 14, started with nationalists, started with, with people that wanted to protect their sovereignty, their identity. That's what started it. And then all of a sudden, as it moved along, you saw more and more EU flags in the, in the, in the crowds of those Maidan protests. And you could see the infiltration happening of the globalists. They saw what was happening. And they pounced and they hijacked it. They're the example. Now imagine that situation if Saskatchewan and Alberta were to separate. There would be, they would be pouncing on us. Are you kidding? There's nothing they would like more than to see our country dismantled and separated. Because then you have smaller entities that you can take advantage of and influence. So we would have to be very aware of that and we would have to act accordingly. And again, I'm not suggesting that that's the best best path to take. All I'm saying is, if we're going to negotiate a fair deal with Ottawa, we have to have leverage in our back pocket. We have to go to the table with saying, we have the support of the people. Our survival depends on these negotiations. The survival of this nation depends on these negotiations. And if I got 60% in favor in my back pocket in these negotiations, they're going to go in our favor. They're not going to have a choice. That's that's it. That's how I have to approach this. And I've had this discussion with, with Independence Party people as well in Alberta. And I think we have an agreement. There are ways to deal with the issues. We just have to come to the table with strength and leverage. And we have to take back our autonomy in our provinces and push for more sovereignty in our provinces. But we're only going to do that if we're united and we're strong and we have that leverage. 
That's how we do this. That's how we win. That's how we get the best deal, the most fair deal for everyone. That's it. We could save this country. We can lead this country out of this mess. We could dictate to Ottawa. Just imagine the negotiating power that you have with that. And then you say to Ottawa, immediately repeal the Sustainability Act. Immediately withdraw your commitment to Agenda 2030 and the Globalist Agenda and the SDGs, all 17. Repeal it. Back out of those agreements. Back out of the Paris Accord. And, and as we do that, trust me, there's many other nations that are more than ready to pull out of this globalist-run dictatorship. Numerous, numerous other countries around the world that do not want to give up their sovereignty. Do not want to give up their autonomy and their ability to make decisions on the, for the best interests of the people of their nations. There's plenty of countries just like it. If Canada was the first to say, you know what, we're out. We're pulling out of this agenda. We're pulling our commitment. We're repealing legislation in this country. We're finished. Watch the dominoes fall around the world. It would happen the next day. And that would be the end of the globalist agenda. That would be the end of the World Economic Forum. This is why I'm saying how important it is that Saskatchewan and Alberta unite for the alternative and not elect the establishment. Come together. Let's come together. Let's unite in, in Saskatchewan. Let's put together the best opportunity the best alternative for the people of Saskatchewan. Do the same thing in Alberta. Support the parties that have established themselves as the best alternative, as ones that are willing to stand against the globalist agenda. Just imagine going to the first minister's meeting, Saskatchewan, Alberta, maybe Manitoba, and say, listen, you're either going to pull out of this globalist agenda or out of survival, we're gone. Because we have 60% support in our back pocket for separation. What are they going to do? They're going to pull out of it. They're going to have to. Because they need us. The rest of this country needs Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. They depend on us. Are you kidding? They've depended on us since Confederation. Do you guys know why we're called the Buffalo Party? Because back in the day when Upper and Lower Canada had all the power and was Canada, and they were coming west, they didn't want the region of Buffalo to be one province, Alberta and Saskatchewan. Too much power, too many resources competing against the interest of the elite, the Laurentian elite in Eastern Canada. So they broke us up. 
That's what Buffalo means. We were the region of Buffalo. So we're taking back that power and that autonomy and our sovereignty. And we're going to work with our partners next door in Alberta. Myself and Archer Pulowski spoke. And we both agreed. I'm going to help them. I'm going to help promote the Independence Party of Alberta. Because I know what they represent. I know they're not establishment UCP. I know exactly they're representing the best interests of Albertans. And I'm going to support Archer Pulowski as much as I can to get him and get his party some seats in Alberta to start moving the needle. <coughs> Archer has committed to our cause as well. Their election is coming up in May. And ours is maybe a year and a half, two years away. And Archer's going to help us achieve what we need to achieve. So we have an enormous opportunity, Saskatchewan. We need to lead this country out of the mess that we're in. And we can do it. We can do it with the help of Alberta the help of Manitoba and Manitobans to put an end to Agenda 2030, to put an end to the World Economic Forum through exercising our power under the existing Constitution by reforming our Constitution I'm, I'm very excited because we have this glorious opportunity to put an end to it all. We just have to come together. We have to identify the enemy. And this is why I was so disappointed last night in the Sask United Party's launch. Because they missed an incredible opportunity to identify the enemy for the people. The enemy is Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development Agenda. That's the enemy. The World Economic Forum, that's the enemy. We identify that enemy and we make decisions to beat and destroy that enemy that's attacking everything we cherish and our children's future and our grandchildren's future. What an opportunity we have. We have to take advantage of it. And, and I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, Sheldon, I think I have heard of the Keystone Party. I don't know much about it. I don't know who's involved. I don't know the players. But if there's anybody that's part of that entity in, in Manitoba, by all means, feel free to reach out. I'll, I'll talk to anybody that's alternative to the establishment. Yes, drain the swamp, Iris. So, that's it. We identify the enemy. We unite to defeat the enemy. We come together. 
and all the establishment parties, federal, provincial, and these yahoos at City Hall are your enemy because they've all committed to it. All of them have committed to it. When Scott Moe runs around the province telling everybody he knows nothing about Agenda 2030, he's full of shit. He knows exactly what it is. The reason he says that is because he's committed to it. And if he talks about it, then we'll understand who's responsible for it. That the conservatives committed to it and told nobody about it. No politician has ever told you or held a town hall to explain to the constituents, the people, what this agenda is. It's never happened. Why not? Because it's a horrible agenda. Because it's destructive. They call it transformative. I call it destructive. Everything our ancestors built is at stake. First Nations, you need to join us too. First Nations, your communities are in terrible shape because of socialism, because of government overreach, governments putting you through the Indian Act on reserves. And that's precisely what they want to do with the rest of us with these 15-minute cities. They want you on a reserve. They want you corralled in these places. Controlled, tracked, traced, surveilled. That's what they want. And none of them that have been elected ever came to you and told you about it. Ever. Because they knew you would hate it. They knew you'd reject it and you'd fire them at the first possible opportunity. We need to fire them all at our earliest opportunity and put in the people that have proven to have your best interest at heart. That's what we need. And we're going to do that in Saskatchewan with this. And hopefully come together with that united entity. It needs to happen. All right. That's it for tonight. I uh, greatly appreciate all of you folks. coming on board to listen and uh, to share this out Uh, when it's over and it's done um, share it from there as well please the more people that see this the better oh yeah we'll keep the doors open don't worry don't worry Linda we got you you come back anytime we're gonna need you Yeah, 100%, Daryl. 100%. If you want to know my stance on Agenda 2030 in the world, it's here. Front and center. I reject it all. Exactly. And we need to force, and we need to put in people in position to oppose it. 
as vehemently as the people wanted to post. And we need to fire the rest of them that brought it in, that committed to it. We need to fire them all. Because obviously they have no business representing the people of Saskatchewan when they agree and commit to this agenda developed by an unaccountable, unelected foreign entity that doesn't have our best interests at heart. That's what we need. Good, Dina. I feel hopeful too. I'm excited because we have an enormous opportunity presented to us that we can actually take back our province. Alberta is going to take back their province. We're going to come together and we're going to go to Ottawa and we're going to tell them to stop the globalist agenda. Repeal Sustainability Act in this country. Pull out your commitment to this agenda. We're going to lead the world in saying no to globalism and watch the dominoes fall around the world because Canada says we're out. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. That's how you take back our country. That's how you take back our province and its prosperity. I've got nothing but hope. I got nothing but encouragement. The people have to rally around us and help us achieve this and help us take us where we need to go. It's the people. The people are going to do this. Not me. I just need help. I need help from the people if we're going to do this. That's what the people yesterday wanted to hear. That's what they wanted to hear at that at that party launch yesterday. That we got this and we're going to win. And we are. Because we have a plan. We know how this works. We know how this is going to go down. One way or the other, we're out. One way or the other, it's over. Just support us. Just help us. Help us do this. The people have to take control. You guys have to do this. You're driving this bus. I love each and every one of you. We're going to win this. I'm telling you. I know it. All right. That's enough for tonight. We got this. Remember, globalism bad, nationalism good. All right. Ciao for now. Because of you We've been